The following is paid programming brought to you by WT Wealth Management. Nothing we discuss should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational purposes only. Please do your own research and speak to an investment advisor or financial planner before making any investment decisions. Welcome to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. I'm your host, Jeff Horvitz. And this week is the fourth of a four-part series on Investing 101. We're going to get into fees, investment styles, and the fiduciary standard with Glenn Least here in just a second. Glenn Leist is a senior investment advisor with WT Wealth Management. You can learn more about Glenn by going to WTWealthManagement.com or by calling 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. Here we are on our part four of a four-part series, Glenn, Investing 101. And uh, it's time to get into the, the fees, the investment styles, and what's called the fiduciary standards. So let's do it. Yeah. Let's, do it. Uh, let's discuss uh, some of the common fees or costs associated with investing um, because we all know there's no such thing as a free lunch. Really? There's no such thing as a free lunch? <laughs> Quote, air quotes, free, right? <laughs> yeah. So there, there's costs involved with investing, and uh, there's quite a, quite a bit of different layers of costs and fees. And so one thing that is important for investors to know is what are those layers of costs and are they reasonable? Um, because at the end of the day, um, you know, nothing's free in this world. You know, there's a cost for everything. Um, you know, even some of the products that we think are free in this world are really not free. You know, they're paid somehow. So this whole notion that somehow things are free in life is, is uh, especially when it comes to business, you know. But so investing, there's a couple different layers of, of costs. We'll kind of cover them. So the first is going to be trading costs. So uh, these are were a lot more common, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, but this would be like costs anytime you want to buy or sell an investment or mutual fund or stock. Um, you know, most of the platforms nowadays have gone to zero for trading costs, but some of them still charge. Some mutual funds still have some pretty intense trading costs I've seen before were sometimes 50, 70, a hundred bucks to trade a, to stock, you know, so that, that those add up quite significantly. Um, but most places they're, they're pretty, pretty low. Um, next layer of, of, of fees and costs that we should look at is commissions. Um, those are going to be anytime, you know, an investment individual sells a very specific type of product. Um, these are most common in like, uh, maybe annuity or insurance or those types of products where, it's an actual investment product. And then whatever company, you know, is connected with the agent or the person that sold it pays that agent a, a commission. So a, usually it's a percentage of whatever the, the, the value of the contract is or the premium, that sort of thing. So, um, commissions aren't necessarily bad or good. They just, you know, as long as they're reasonable and they make sense, they're not giving uh, undue influence on the decision-making process that I think they're just fine. Um, next one is, um, going to be portfolio management fees. Um, you may see these like in your 401k or your IRA or any kind of statement, and they, they sometimes call them expense ratios. Um, and this is the cost for managing a particular investment fund. So say you're investing in, you know, one of the most popular mutual funds in the world, you know, American funds, you know, that they have an entire uh, portfolio team that does research that, you know, travels around the country that interviews, you know, the top companies in the world, you know, sits on their earnings calls and then puts together what they think are the best collection of investments 
investments. And so there's obviously an inherent cost to that. Um, it depends on how much and how involved the uh, management of the portfolio is. Some of them can be very cost effective um, because they're not doing a lot of work. Some of them can be very labor intensive. Um, so those usually range from, you know, maybe a tenth of a percent all the way up to I've seen some as high as 2%, you know, and even greater depending on the level of mutual funds. So really when it comes to that is just think, uh, you know, the more work that's involved, generally the higher that cost is going to be. If they're just buying, you know, the top hundred stocks and they're not doing any research, they're just blanket buying, you know, you know, companies that are, you know, purely by size, then obviously cost is going to be a little bit lower. And sometimes those are called like index mutual funds or index uh, ETFs, but definitely that's going to be portfolio management fees or uh, expense ratios. Um, occasionally you have what's called load fees. Those are going to be like uh, more common in mutual funds. Those are going to be very similar to trading costs, but they're specifically tied to that mutual fund. So um, they've got front end loads, back end loads, and then sometimes ongoing costs. Um, and those are specific to that particular mutual fund. Um, those have been uh, becoming less and less popular. Um, they used to really be quite popular maybe 15, 20 years ago. Um, and they can really add up. Um, so say if you're in a front end loaded mutual fund, every time you buy shares, you know, that mutual fund may charge you five and a half percent upfront cost. You know, so you put in a hundred bucks and, you know, 94, dollars and 50 cents actually makes it into the investment. So you're going to make that back too. Yeah. 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 So that's why, you know, obviously they're not as popular. Some of them, that's a front end load. Some of them are back end load. So when you leave the fund or sell out, they also hit you with a charge on the way out. Um, and then there's also ongoing, uh, costs. Um, and you may see those like something like called like a C share where they don't charge your front end. They don't charge your back end, but they just charge you a lot more ongoing to make up for that. So those are called like uh, load fees. Um, next level of costs that you may see in a mutual fund is called a 12B1 fee. Um, these ones are, the name sounds pretty innocuous, like, oh, just 12B1. I don't even know what that <laughs> is. Um, it, those ones we really, I've really struggled with over the years because they're what's called, uh, they're, they're called marketing costs or some people even call them kickback fees. So say you're the, you know, American funds, mutual fund and, and not picking on them. It's just a, just a name and say they do have a 12B1 fee. You know, that is a basic kickback fee to whoever recommends that fund. So say an advisor recommends a, you know, mutual fund that has a 12B1 fee, they may pay them an ongoing trail of quarter percent, half a percent, you know, for simply referring that client over um, to them. And you that's said ongoing, ongoing. Okay. Yeah. So it's like an ongoing marketing cost is what they call it. Like reimbursing the, the, the cost it takes to market and get that person in that investment. Um, those ones, like I said, we don't really do any kind of mutual funds or ETFs that have 12B1 fees because we just, uh, I've never really liked that idea, but, um, and they're becoming less and less popular just because there's a lot of potential for conflicts of interest there. Um, there's also layers of fees called custodial fees. Um, those are going to be like, if you're at like a custodian, say I'll just name a couple and they may or may not charge them, but say you have a Charles Schwab or TD Ameritrade or Fidelity or Vanguard, you know, accounts, they may charge you like an annual fee per year just to have your account with them, um, for just purely bookkeeping and, and, and record keeping and tax documents. Um, those ones are pretty nominal. You may see them a couple bucks a year, you know, maybe 30 or 40 bucks a year. Um, and most places don't charge those anymore. Um, but those you'll see them as custodian or custodial fees. Um, there's also advisor fees. You know, the, the advisor fees are going to be like, if you have an advisor who is helping you 
get invested, helping provide financial advice, helping advise you on how to be successful in investing. Um, that you, there's a couple of different ways they charge, but usually it's a percentage is the most common arrangement. Um, and those can range from, you know, probably as anywhere as low as a at three quarters of a percent to as much as maybe one and a half percent in that range. And that's on top of, you know, if there's a management cost for the portfolio. So there's all these different layers of fees. And it's always important to know, like, how much am I paying for all these fees all in? And what's the total percentage or total dollar amount? Those are important to know. Um, and like I said, most of these fees aren't good or bad. It's just, you know, important to know, you know, how are they impacting me? And are they fair and reasonable? Because everyone has to be paid. Like, I can't do the work that I do and, and work for free. free. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not, it's not, you know, that's doesn't make any sense. And it's quite frankly, not fair at all. Um, you know, there's even some industries where people expect that person to work for free, but that is kind of insulting to that person's, you know, value and talents. Um, so yeah, there's always, you know, there's always a cost for everything that happens in this world. And the final one you have is performance, performance fees. fees. Yeah. Those ones are going to be most common in like hedge funds. And so those ones, uh, you know, I had one, one client tell me, well, I only want to pay you when you're making me money. And, uh, you know, I started talking to him. I said, well, one, those kind of arrangements aren't allowed by the SEC. Um, and two, they're not always in your best interest because if you only had to pay a fee when you made money, you know, what about those years where the, you know, group that was managing your money didn't had, didn't have a positive return. You know, they're not going to, they go out of business those years. So a lot of times that they, they'll charge like 20%, you know, performance. So, you know, if you made 10% or, you know, you know, 15, 20%, they're going to take a pretty big chunk of that. Um, so those are performance fees, but those are most common in like hedge funds. Cause I, I don't charge any performance fees and I'm not allowed to, and nor would I want to, cause it's not in the client's best interest, but those are, you know, most people, if they, if, if they've heard of hedge fund, they know exactly what I'm talking about. They call them like a two and 20 or performance fees. Um, so there's like an ongoing base plus like a percentage of the profit. So, um, yeah, those aren't very common. How do you find all these? How do you see all these fees? Yeah. Disclosure somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Usually, you know, if you're in an investment fund, they'll give you like a what's called a prospectus. And the prospectus is usually a couple hundred pages. And, and on one of the pages or two of those pages, it'll give you the breakdown of all the different fees associated with that investment. Um, I will say sometimes it's not very easy to find out what is the all in cost. I've been doing this for years. And so I know exactly where to look and how to calculate it. Um, but for the average investor, you know, that is something that is not very transparent. And so, um, you should be able to, it should be very plain and easy to see, but, um, the industry in general just has not done a good job of making that easy. Let's uh, let's get into investment management styles and uh, also what is uh, the fiduciary standard. And we're talking with Glenn Lease, part four of our four-part series on, Intel- on Investing 101. And if you'd like to talk to Glenn, give him a call. He's, he's ready to talk with you at 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. You are listening to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Lease, our four, fourth of the four-part series here on Investing 101. Yep. Um, and you can talk to Glenn anytime by calling 928-225-2474. You can go to WTWealthManagement.com as well. Uh, Glenn, investment management styles. You've got several different types here. Yep. Uh, break it down for us. 
Yeah, so I'll kind of start off with uh, active versus passive management style. So um, I'll start with, say, passive. Passive management basically says um, a portfolio manager is going to just own a particular set number of stocks within a certain category. So they'll say, uh, we're going to own the top 100 stocks in the S&P 500, or we're going to try and own the S&P 500 verbatim. Um, and so those ones are called passively managed, where they're not trying to look for the winners and losers. They're just trying to buy all of them. Um, you know, Sometimes at equal weightings, sometimes unequal weightings, but they're, it really depends on what the index they're looking at. But it's, it's really passively managed. Um, and the idea is with that style is you're just owning everything. And usually the cost for a passively managed uh, investment fund is a lot less because there's less work involved. Um, the other style of investing is going to be called active management is uh, where a mutual fund company is trying to actively identify the top you know, 40, 50, 100 stocks. And they're doing a lot of research, looking at individual companies, looking at their business models, looking at their product lineup, their management, and really trying to pick the winners and eliminate some of the the companies they don't think are going to do quite as well. So they're actively trying to identify the the best investments and their view. So um, obviously, active management, there's a little bit more work that's involved. Um, You know, if if you're trying to passively manage, you could just pull up a spreadsheet and just, you know, click 2% for each of those 100 companies and, and go play golf the rest of the day. So it's pretty, <laughs> you know, uh, labor, um, you know, not very labor intensive. Whereas if you're actively managing, you know, uh, you know, a stock portfolio and you have 50 companies that are on your radar, you may have to send people out to each one of those companies or listen to their earnings calls or listen to or test their products or talk to their management team. So there's a lot more labor um, that's involved. And hopefully the idea is that 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 extra amount of research pays off in the in in better performance over time. And so which one's better, active versus passive? I mean, at the end of the day, it's really, you know, is, is chocolate ice cream better than vanilla? I mean, it's really just preference. Mm-hmm. We do both styles at our firm. Um, so we have both available options and it really just depends what that individual is looking for. Um, and sometimes it's a combination of both, you know, so maybe you want to do a little active and passive management. Um, for example, you know, maybe, you know, in our, our firm, maybe there's a particular field where we say, you know, we're just not able to pick the clear cut winners. You know, maybe there's multiple companies that we really like. So maybe we'll just own the top 10 in a particular field because, you know, we don't think that, you know, we have the ability to identify the top ones. And so we may use a passive fund for say, you know, uh, maybe like healthcare or financials where when it comes to tech stocks, maybe we say, oh, we can actually identify, you know, which we think is going to be the best and, and, uh, you know, actively manage that side. So there's, there's a, you know, potential do blends. Um, yeah. What's quantitative versus uh, qualitative. Yeah. So quantitative is going to be more data driven. So this is, think about, you know, quantitative, you're looking at past performance, data metrics, uh, projected risk levels, uh, standard deviations, all sorts of very technical analysis. And, and what you're trying to do is use past information to predict future results. And it's purely data, you know, driven, you know, so you're looking at like information about the economy, unemployment numbers, um, PE ratios, uh, profit margins, all sorts of things about a company um, when you're trying to predict, you know, what you think they're going to do moving forward based on information. So that's quantitative. Qualitative is going to be more of a, 
you know, you're taking the data into consideration, but maybe there's something about the company that you can't be seen on the data that you know that this is just going to be a great investment. So a good example might be a company like Tesla. So Tesla, you could look at it from a qualitative standpoint and say, you know, this Elon Musk guy is pretty smart and he's going to, you know, one day be very profitable. But in the early days of Tesla, Tesla got a lot of backlash for a long time. A lot of people were really negative on it because of the way that their books looked um, and the way that data look. Same with Amazon. Amazon for a long time didn't turn a profit. And, uh, you know, but Amazon was kind of a funny story because I think Bezos initially said to the investors, hey, uh, you may not see a profit for the next 15 or 20 years, but when you do, you're going to see something very nice that you're happy with. So um, qualitative is more looking at, you know, the the, the company, the direction, you know, our, our gut instinct on there's things. something there. Or, or, yeah, or what's going on in the world. You know, yeah. there, there's some things that are happening in our world that, you know, a computer or data can't predict. You know, so say we know we may have a oil crunch because of a a conflict that may happen in the world. You know, data may not be able to determine that, whereas we as humans can with a qualitative overlay. What does um, what what does fiduciary mean? We hear that term all the time. What's that mean in the investment? Sure, sure. So there's two different types of standards that uh, an investment individual could adhere to. One is called the fiduciary standard and the other one's called the suitability standard. Um, Everyone in our firm adheres to the fiduciary standard. And Fiduciary just means that you're always going to do what's in the best interest of your clients, no matter what. Um, so whatever recommendation you recommend, investments you recommend, or strategy you recommend, you're putting the client's interest first, meaning you want to find out what's best for them, understand the situation, and make recommendations custom-tailored to them. Um, that's absolutely the best option for them. Suitability uh, may say um, this investment is suitable for them. I mean, it's it's a good investment or good recommendation, but it's not the best one for them. So a good example is someone comes up to me and say, we're, you know, they're looking for a new car and they said, well, um, you know, I really want a, uh, you know, car that gets good gas mileage and, you know, is reliable and, you know, yada, yada, yada. It's like, okay, well maybe you should get this, you know, uh, this car, even though I know there's a Toyota Camry that would be a far better fit for them. But the one that I'm recommending, maybe it's a Nissan Esteem or something like that. Some, you know, car that meets the basic criteria. But I know that the Toyota Camry is going to be a much, you know, going to be the best option. So suitability, you know, a lot of times it's still, you know, the, the people that adhere to the suitability standard, a lot of times they're still doing right by the client and still taking care of them, but they may not be doing the absolute best option for them. So that's just what the terms mean is suitability versus fiduciary. Fiduciary just means you're always doing what's best for the clients no matter what. Why would you have use the suitability standard then? Right. Yeah, this is, yeah, I've never understood it. Um, for me personally, I've always been a fiduciary, and so I've never understood why anyone would want to work with someone that you know didn't put their interest first. Um, good example is say you need an attorney and you're hiring the attorney, and he says, hey, um, I know you're paying me, but I don't have to put your interest first. You'd say, well, maybe I'm not hiring you, right? Because that's the whole reason I'm hiring you is to take care of me and put my interest first. So you're right. I don't understand why there is that other standard. I mean, there are some situations I've heard and I've heard the reasoning for it. I personally just think the fiduciary is the best way to go. For sure. All right. Uh, lots of terms here that we've yeah. gone over for the last uh, four weeks. 
uh, Glenn. And I think it's good to remind everyone that you have all of this up on WTWealthManagement.com. So if you want to go back, I mean, we've covered so much with Investing 101. Yeah, yeah. I think it's important for people to go back and and take another listen. Yeah. And in fact, um, along with this podcast series, I'm going to be developing an online course. So you can do the Investing 101 course online. So look for that in the next month or so. And you could take that at your own leisure, a free educational course. And, uh, you know, I find that the more that people know about investing, the more they're empowered and the more they um, can be successful in their lives. And, and ultimately, a lot of times, the more they want to hire us because they realize we're doing good by our clients and doing what's best for them. All right. And when you work with Glenn Least, his investment committee leverages over a century of combined experience to grow your money, not your fees. And they invest their personal savings the same exact way they invest your money. Call Glenn Least for a complimentary consultation. Here's the number, 928 928- 225-2474. There's no obligation. Just call 928-225-2474. Or like Glenn just said, you can go to WTWealthManagement.com. All right. Tune in next week at the same time for another edition of Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least on 97.1 FM, The Big Talker. We'll see you soon.